It's fascinating how a single little detail in life can indicate that something larger is coming. When we examine our own lives, we look and we see little indicators of our character. Whenever we consider our hobbies, our habits, the little things that we contemplate as we lie in bed before a night's rest, these are all signs in life that foreshadow not only who we are, but really where we are going in the trajectory of our entire life. And there are signs even on things larger than ourselves that indicate what is to come at the same time as indicating where things really are. Today is the Sunday when we celebrate Epiphany. And Epiphany is the holiday in the church where we celebrate Jesus coming as a light to the Gentiles, when that star manifested and the wise men came from afar bringing gifts to the newborn Christ. Now these mysterious travelers, they observed a sign hanging publicly in the night sky. Yet, despite its public display, so many people overlooked it and ignored it, having no idea of its significance. I'd want us today to examine our own lives and see what signs and indicators we have. And what does that mean when we walk through the Christian walk? So, thank you for joining us. Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure produced by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, and thank you for joining me. And there's one other in the studio as well. I thought he was going to go ahead and introduce himself, but I'll pitch it over to him now. And I'm Pastor Anthony Alegria. Yeah, and thank you for joining us, really. We do want to hear from you. Send us your thoughts, your questions, your comments. And let's actually have a word of prayer before we get into our scripture. So if we could all bow our heads. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to study your word, Lord, whether we are here in the studio or we're out in the audience, wherever we may be, Lord, come open up our hearts and minds that we could receive your strength, your wisdom, your encouragement, and let us learn something. Let us look at the signs in our lives and come closer to you. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So let's begin by reading from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 2, and let's read those first 12 verses. So, Pastor Anthony, if you would, read those first 12 verses for us out of Matthew 2. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all of the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men, and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go, and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, Bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Thank you, Pastor Anthony. And of course, he's reading from the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version. But let's talk a little bit now about Epiphany and who are these wise men and what's the deal with this star? 
Now, the name Epiphany, if a lot of us, we, we're not necessarily familiar with these, these other holidays and seasons, Epiphany comes there at the end of the Christmas season. And today is the Sunday we're celebrating it, though I think technically Epiphany is tomorrow, though depending on whenever you're listening to this, that could be subject to change over the years. But the name Epiphany comes from the Greek term meaning manifestation. And it refers to the fact that a star manifested before the wise men, and it stirred something deep within them, deep within the beings of these individuals, and they could not ignore it. They could not just ignore this star that was there, and they had to do something. And we know very little about who these men were, and much of the description that's attributed to them is hypothesis at best. However, despite our ignorance of their history, we do know the details that matter. We know the things that are actually of real substance and have any relevance in the course of eternity. We can read of their actions and understand the history given to us from the gospel, and those brief words testify to the integrity of these men's faith. So the wise men, they observed a sign. And we have signs in our life. There are people who are always asking for a sign. The wise men, they observed a sign that was beyond the powers of this world. It was not a sign that could have been posted by an earthly king. However, even though this was not of an earthly origin, it did have an impact on this world. They were able to deduce as much as that. And therefore, the wise men, they assembled a band of explorers to track down this mysterious sign. And we don't know how, but it's clear that through some means, these wise men ascertained some meaning from this sign. They secured the knowledge that this unearthly indicator was that of a newborn king. Specifically, this child would be the king of the Jews, the chosen people of God, the master of creation. And many of us, we look to our own lives and we desire something telling us what to do. Even those who we count among the saints, they often longed for signs as to what they should do next. Of course, while in prison, John the Baptist, he reached out to Jesus asking for some indicator that Jesus was truly the Christ and that he should not wait for another. And Jesus responded by simply restating all of the signs that his ministry had conducted, all everything that was publicly known. And these signs, they were out there. There were signs that were very visible. And it was the duty of John to do something with them. Jesus didn't give him anything new. He just pointed to everything which was already known. The wise men were paying close attention to the signs and the details in life. And out of these signs, they were blessed with instruction on what they should do next. Divine providence had blessed them with wisdom sufficient to interpret the heavenly star. And they knew that they must pack their things and go on an adventure, for a new era was upon them. And this really is where it's kind of important for us to understand a little bit of the history of things from Jewish culture and others from that region of the world. A star rising is the dawn of a new day. In Jewish tradition, and this is true for others in that region because we don't know where these wise men are from, we presume they're not Jewish. Um, they're probably from somewhere else, but uh, they come within a few years, so they, obviously they're somewhere where you can actually travel there, and we know what direction they come from. But from this part of the world, the days do not cycle with the turning of the midnight hour as they do in our modern times. Rather, the days cycle with the rising of the sun. A day will begin when the first light peaks across the horizon. Furthermore, the day will surely end on the following morning when the light of a new day washes away the long darkness. And just as the sun, the star of our solar system, rises to indicate a new day, the star that rose at the birth of Jesus marked a new era for creation. The nature of this sign was greater than the common edict of earthly kings. This unearthly sign was produced by the master of creation. And as individuals, we like to contemplate our lives. People, they take Facebook quizzes to find out which piece of music represents their personality. 
college students, they like to announce their major and tell everyone who they are, saying, well, I'm a religion major, I'm a business major. They're identifying with a potential future, even though for most of them it hasn't manifested, and for many of them it actually may never. But people, they like to do things which examine themselves. They like to look at the signs of their life. We get anxious whenever we suspect others are talking about us behind our backs. We get excited when we hear that there are good things in the works for us. All of these are ways that we desire knowledge of the signs and indicators of life around us. Now, when Jesus Christ comes, he is one that says there is a veil in the temple that has been torn. There's no longer a, a hidden pathway that is separate from, from everyone. You don't need to bring a sacrifice. The, the opportunity to come and have communion with God is available to all who will seek him and who will receive his transformation. God desires us to examine our lives. And we don't need hidden special knowledge signs that come and are secret to us. And God has given us many signs. And we need to pay attention to the signs that matter the most. It mattered little the origins of the wise men, so that we can just discount. We don't know it. It's hypothesis at best, and ultimately it doesn't matter. The fact that they brought gifts to worship the Christ child was the profound testimony that matters so much. It's that testimony of their faith that we learn from and we're inspired by. As Christians, we are blessed with a long, rich history of great wisdom that has come before us. We look at the example that Christ lived, and we ponder the teachings of the gospel and compare them to the indicators of our lives. And we've organized our lives in a way that we have all of this available to us, and if we capitalize on that, we can truly learn. We can see the signs, and we can live Christ-like. But the question we have, of course, if we want to live Christ-like lives, and we want to be embodying the Christ-likeness that is quickened by sanctification, we have to ask ourselves the question, have we actually organized our lives so that we can worship Christ? These wise men did. They had to change and rearrange their entire schedule for years. The kingdom of God really is a full kingdom. It is one with all sorts of workers, and it has great work to be done. So organizing your life to worship Christ doesn't mean that you've got to become a preacher or anything like you might see Anthony and I doing right now. Um, where we're officially working in the church, you can be a, a school teacher, you can be in law enforcement, you can be an electrician, you can do all sorts of things, provided you're not advancing sin. The kingdom of God is a full kingdom. It wants us to be doing wonderful things. It wants us to be living fulfilled lives with that joy unspeakable and full of glory. God desires us to be fruitful in all that we do. But if we want to be positioned for this healthy and holy trajectory in life, then we must pay close attention to the signs and indicators within our own lives. If they do not indicate Christ-likeness, then we must repent and turn towards Christ. So often we are like John the Baptist, and we hold out waiting in that hour of desire for a different sign. We want something new, something different than everything that has been revealed to us. Yet God reminds us that he has already given us so many signs. They're out in the open. And we need to decide how we are going to interpret them. And of course, if we're going to decide how we're going to interpret them, we have to first be paying attention to them. We have to set up our lives where we're actually looking for the signs. And this is a very important thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do if you haven't made a habit of it. If you've got comfortable where you just go through life, it's, it's difficult to do. But being a Christian, sitting down and saying, what are the signs of, of holiness? What are the signs of, of sin? What are the signs of, of my life and where it's going? These are all very important for us to do. Anthony? And those are really, really hard questions to answer, honestly, whenever you're looking at your life and that sort of thing. Um, I think, like, we all want to pretend, oh, yeah, we all have the fruits of the Spirit, you know. 
whenever the fact of the matter is, is that not all of us are filled with the joy and the peace, the gentleness and the kindness and the love that the Holy Spirit brings. You know, I think probably the most frequent that we Christians in the United States lack is the peace. And I think that's because um, we're very focused on lots of uh, other things and we're not always 100% centered on God being able to handle the situation or enabling us to handle the situation. And so addressing the whole situation faithfully, it's easy to build up anxiety and that sort of thing. And so I think like that's a big one, for instance, where if you're living in Christ likeness, you should be experiencing the peace of the Holy Spirit. Sure. And we need, there's several things that we need. We need the fellowship with other Christians. We need the convictions of Amen. the Holy Spirit. And we need Christ Jesus as the Lord of our lives. Building off what you said a little bit, Anthony, I think we're, we're more anxious because we're robbed of joy. And I think we're largely robbing ourselves of joy. Amen, yeah. There, there are a lot of people in the church who are less concerned with preaching the gospel than they are concerned with offending other people. They're, they're worried, are we on the spirit of the age? We, we've got in this era, and I've heard several people talk about how this happened within the Methodist church. But I think it's really happened in the Nazarene church as well, where we've allowed culture to be a instrument of revelation, where we see things going on in culture, we see cultural movements, and we say, ah, yes, we can synchronize this with the gospel. We, we need to make sure that our language and everything, we're doing the, the stuff which really matches. And look, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and get myself put in a, a corner here, but I'm going to say it. You'll go to places where you'll see people speaking at church events, and they sound exactly like Hollywood. They sound like a lot of the people who are trying to advance the culture away from Christianity, all of these social movements, all of this stuff that people are getting on board with that are largely pitted against straw men. They're not even pitted against real things. They have to use examples from way back in history because our civilization has largely eradicated a lot of stuff. But we have people who are more concerned with matching the world than matching the gospel, and therefore they don't have the joy and the peace of the gospel, and they're anxious because you're never going to be satisfied when you're trying to appease Rome. Anthony? You know what they say, um, always seek a second opinion. And I've got to say, we are definitely not the only ones to think this. No. Just uh, earlier this year, we went to the um, Nazarene Preaching Conference. And some of the other speakers at that same conference, the main speakers, at least one of the speakers I heard personally say that some of the other speakers were attempting to imitate the world. Oh, yeah. I and, think that's a pretty big deal. And they'll get standing ovation from it because that's where the energy is. And they yeah. being those who are imitating the world. Yeah, those yes, who are will. imitating the world, they'll get us. And this has been true for 2,000 years. I'm not saying anything new. Like the, the people in Rome who were like, you know, let's do a little Temple of Diana and Artemides on the side over here in Ephesus. Those people, they're always going to get a standing ovation. They're like, oh, yes, we can indulge our sins and get wonderful pets on the back while doing it. But the signs, when we're like the wise men and we start examining signs, say, hey, this is not taking us to, to God. This is taking us to Rome. And I don't mean to the Vatican City. Um, I mean, this is taking you to the place where. The center of paganism. Yeah, the center of paganism. Um. This this is bad. But I don't want to leave this on a negative note because there's hope in all this. Yeah, you know, I mean, Rome later yeah. becomes uh, you know, the center, yeah. the center um, of Christianity. You, so. you, you see, while, while they're dragging the Orthodox Christians over to um, be killed in the amphitheater, the gospel is spreading like wildfire. You've got men who are, who are killing little girls because they will not prostitute themselves out. And then they say, well, you know what? Her faith was real. I'm going to make a confession to Christ. And then they get beheaded themselves. But then the people watching all of this sequence of events, they say, you know what, let's go get baptized down there. 
and they swell and they grow to the point where where Rome really they they realize that things are changing. If that so, seems illogical, uh, it is because it's supernatural. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. It because it brings peace. This there's this whole lie that says religion is opiate for the masses. Uh, of course, that's Karl Marx, that Hegelian movement where they hated religion. They well, not Hegel so much, but Marx hates. They want to create their own religion. Um, very religious stuff like Marxism, um, but it's a lie. If you look throughout the history of Christianity, when the church is growing the most is when it is totally irrational and putting your life in danger to become a Christian. Like that's when the church is really flourishing. Completely contrary to the so-called wisdom of the world. Yeah, completely contrary to the idea that it's just people superstitious and they need something to cope with their fears. Yeah, anytime it, Christianity is a coping with fears mechanism, it doesn't tentatively grow. When it's, I just saw John the Apostle get boiled in a pot. I guess I'm going to go join his church now. Um, that's when you do see the church just grow like crazy, crazy. So there's great hope in all this. Um, and everybody that's out there listening and says, well, I don't want to be boiled in a pot. The gospel takes us to a lot of places. Um, and we know that there is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And, and the people who endured this stuff, they have great peace about it. Um, and the will of God is for abundant life yeah. and ultimately eternal life. Eternal life, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. If you do thing. boil in a pot, it's because you have so greatly glorified God. And that that act, in, God will be able to use that martyrdom just as he did in the past yeah. to bring others into that abundant life and eternal life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So often we desire to step into a new era of life. We want signs and indicators telling us how we're going to get there. Jesus has given us so many signs revealing to us what is righteous, what brings joy, what brings everlasting purpose, and he is fully able to bring us salvation if we are willing to let him be the Lord of our lives. So spend some time investigating the signs in your own life and see how they measure up to the signs given to us by Christ Jesus. Any final thoughts, Anthony? Feel like we covered everything pretty well? Yeah. All right, well... With that being said, Anthony, would you close us in prayer, and then we can wrap things up? I will. Um, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let uh, us in the studio and also those out in the audience, Lord, be struck by your word, and uh, let us be further sanctified in our lives. Let us give a testimony by the way we live and by the way we speak to those of the world that they may too have the abundant eternal life. Amen. Amen. With that, God love you and have a blessed day. Please reach out to us. With that, we'll see you later.